You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it. <laughs> I was there more times than I can remember. So, I'm up this late on a school night. Where's my dad? He's downstairs, but you know what? He told me to keep an eye on you. My dad doesn't like you. But you do, right? So... Do you have any cool toys in your room you want to show me? Do you know Captain America? I've got his action figure, but I lost the shield. So I made him a new one. How about myself? I just glued a magnet to it, so it looks like the real one. And I then I painted it, but Cap's shield is cooler. So this one doesn't have to take down any aliens, so it'll do. Super lady, are you coming? I'll be right there. Welcome to the 602 Club, Trek FM's general geek show, coming at you from uh, Hell's Kitchen here in New York. Anybody want shawarma? I'm, ha- I'm feeling shawarma. Anybody feeling shawarma? <laughs> no? I'm yes? up for shawarma. Okay. All right. Good. Um, I don't know why. I just uh, Maybe I too much exercise today and... All right, anyway, uh, but uh, really excited to, to be here tonight. We are going to be talking about uh, the latest in the Netflix Marvel series that they have going on. And this time it is Jessica Jones and we will be diving into season two. And I think you already heard that I have some incredible guests here tonight. Um, well, I mean, heroific. So, uh, the one I'll and only <laughs> Brandy Jackala. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Oh, it's going peachy keen now that I'm doing this because I've been waiting for this all day. See, that's just great. I mean, oh, man, what a way to come into a podcast. It's waiting all day to talk about the subject. So, that's good. Um, and, and that's right. We not only have one lady, but we have two ladies here tonight uh, representing the female strong Christy Morris. Hey, hey, I want you cray, cray. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, the song was so bad. Oh, it just, it was like so every bad, bad it, it felt like every bad um, late 90s Britney Spears song that yes. she did, like when she kind of started going off the deep end. So, yeah. Whew. And it's just so nasally. Gosh. I mean, it, there's nothing good about it. But anyway. Yeah, it, 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 it was like it, it was like when you listen back to Paula Abdul songs. Oh, yeah. you're like, oh, I, I never liked her then. Yeah, she's not a good singer. She's not a good singer. No, Didn't she... like her then. Don't yeah. like her now. Uh, anyway, but uh, before we <laughs> totally just start spoiling everything and getting into the season, uh, just a quick reminder, you know, you can find us everywhere all over the place. But uh, Apple Podcasts is really the best place to go. Um, and while you're over there, give us a star rating review. You know, uh, the 602 Club is getting lonely. It's been a while since we've had a, a star rating review. So help people find us. Let us know what you're thinking of the show. And heck, when you do, I'll call you out on the show. Thank you for your review and let everybody know what you said. 
Uh, you can also find us wherever you get your podcasts. So any podcatcher, we're just all over the place. Um, you can also find us on Twitter, Trek FM. Uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Trek FM. Make sure you follow us there. Uh, if you want to have a more in-depth discussion, you can find our listeners-only discussion group over on Facebook. Um, now, to get there, type Babel into the search field on Facebook. Or if you're at the website at trek.fm, where you can find everything we do, you can hit discussion on any of the menu bars. And that'll bring you right over there. And then last but not least, um, if you would like to contact us and talk even more in depth about any subject, you can do that at trek.fm slash contact. Choose a show, choose the 602 Club, and you can send us an email, and that'll get shared with any of the hosts that are on that week, too. So you can tell us what you thought, or maybe you just have some ideas. And, you know, it's kind of been a while since we've gotten an email, so it'd be great mm-hmm. to hear from you guys. Um, but... I wanted to ask both of you before we kind of dive into the season. We're going to break this down by characters because this season is definitely a character-driven season. It is all about the four main characters. But neither of you were on the original Jessica Jones uh, show. And so I wanted to ask you kind of where you were coming into this new season, uh, what you thought of the first one, and then were you excited to dive back into the world of Jessica Jones? So I will tell you, I was so excited after seeing the first season of Jessica Jones that I actually went out and got Kristen Ritter's haircut in color. There you go. (laughs) So I think you could say that I liked it. Um, So, yeah, I I think that it is a very dark show overall, of course, and sort of along with the other Marvel shows on Netflix right now, like Daredevil, Punisher, Iron Fist, and Luke Cage, um, they have that dark, ominous thing throughout that these are are not necessarily your typical heroes. Um, They have flaws and some pretty major things that they're dealing with. And so I guess I've always kind of gravitated to a character that's not perfect, that's sort of the anti-hero. So I really came into it liking Jessica a lot because she makes mistakes, but you feel like she's still trying to be a good person. Yeah, I agree with that. I, The one thing I love about Marvel characters and what they've done, especially in the Marvel Netflix series, is that they focus on those people. Yes, they have superpowers, but they're also focusing on them as people. And I think that makes things more compelling because if you're just writing something about the superpower, you're not going to hook me. I don't care as much about that. Yeah, she can jump great heights and she's really, really strong. That's what she can do. But who is she? And season one gives us a lot of that. I had a hard time with season one, not because it wasn't good. I loved it. It was great. David Tennant was great. Kristen Ritter was great. Everybody was great. But um, as a sexual assault survivor, there were certain things that I was just like, mm, mm, I'm going to have to stop for a minute. <laughs> so it was uh, it, it was difficult to watch at times because I could identify so much I mean, I didn't go through anything even close to what Jessica went through. Not even close. But I can unfortunately imagine it very, very well. So it was it was hard for me. But I loved it. I loved season one. I loved the character. And I was so happy to hear that they were finally going to do a season two. And it came out on International Women's Day. What can be better than that? Yeah. Uh, you know, for, for me... Um, Season one was up and down 
So it literally went up and hit about midpoint, and then it just went down for me, uh, and it never really truly recovered. Um, I felt like the crescendo of the season was in the middle of the season, and then by the end of the season, it just kind of, it, it just didn't end up working as well. Um, and I think that's really interesting for you to bring out, Brandy, because, you know, uh, that is one of the things that's different about these Marvel Netflix shows, is they're about much more gritty real things you know like that and so um you know shedding some light on that and and having people you know talk about something like that is i think that was the best part of the show is 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 allowing people to have a forum to be able to say something about that kind of thing Mm -hmm. which is great um and and hugely important uh because uh you know too many times (laughs) Um, that kind of junk just gets swept under the rug, and it shouldn't. So it does, yeah. and I I know that uh, Melissa Rosenberg didn't intend for this to be an issues show, and it really isn't an issues show. It's a show about people, about compelling right. characters, and so I never felt it of. Uh, that it was like, oh well, it's good that they're bringing up this issue. No, this is part of Jessica's past. This is part of her life, and it informs who she is now. So it was it was never about issues, but I'm I'm really glad that they were not afraid to shine a light on anything, anything. So that I really appreciated that. And, and for one moment, they almost, almost had me feeling sympathy for Kilgrave. They were so good at presenting yeah, his backstory yeah, that I'm absolutely. like, almost. I'm almost there, but. Dude, you can still choose your behavior, and you're choosing wrong. So sorry, mm-hmm. don't and, get a pass. And they do that w- in this season too. Um, when we talk about Jerry, I think mm-hmm. that they're going to really get you to the point where you try, you you start to uh, maybe identify a little bit, and then they pull it back. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, and and I think that's really interesting. Is is trying to show the humanity of every single person, and you know, the main difference uh, in the end are those people who continually just choose to do what's wrong or those who do the hard thing and do the 180 and and i think that's the show and and specifically you know i i think that's the arc for jessica this season you know of she has lived a specific type of life that has been closed off and kind of left her I guess I can't think. Of, I can't think of a better term than like she's the Walking Dead. You know, she is somebody who has been closed off from everyone and everything her entire life um, because of the experiences that she's been through. And this season, her arc is to make the decision to live life more openly, even when that can bring pain. And I thought that was, to me, the strongest part of the season was really watching Jessica through that progression and really, the, the to me, the highlight of the season. I'm glad you said that, Matt. I, I agree with you. I think that it's teaching Jessica to still try to trust people and let them in, even though she's been through the horrible things that she's been through. Um, and like you said, make the right decision, even though it's the hardest one to make, you know, I like when she has the opportunity to kill Carl 
And she realizes suddenly that the voice in her head telling her to do it is Kilgrave. And that that's something that he would do, someone who can't control himself or chooses not to. And she decides to take control and just say, your life is over because of what you've done. And I'm, it's not re- my responsibility to take your life. I feel like, and I, I'm coming out of, out of <laughs> let me try that again. I'm coming at this from my own perspective, but I, I think that some people feel like, and I'm, I'm talking about characters in the show that Jessica is cold, is, uh, without positive emotion. And I don't think that's it at all. I think she cares way too much, but she has been through so many experiences where everything she loved is taken away from her time after time after time. And she can't go through that anymore. She's gotten to this point that she can't go through that anymore. And so she just shoves everyone and everything away. Mm -hmm. If she were truly emotionless, she wouldn't have to drink. Yeah, yeah. No, I absolutely 100% agree with you. And um, I believe it's it's her mother who says to her, you know, you... That's right, her mother's in the show. Oh, spoiler. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I I, I believe that... I mean, I really resonate with what you're saying because that's why her mother says, no, you're drunk 24-7 all the time because you feel too much. Mm -hmm. And she's trying not to feel so much. And, And it's that repression that she continually tries to pretend like those emotions don't exist that have been slowly kind of driving her mad in a lot of ways, I think. And, and part of that, I think too, it, it, you see that that's where the anger comes out when she's going to kill somebody like Carl, you know, like that's where all the emotions finally come out. And it's in the end, it's, because there's an unhealthy balance of her not dealing with those emotions that she loses her temper. And um, that was one thing that I wish had been maybe mentioned in this series. Like, you know, if maybe we had some therapy um, and or at least found a way to release your emotions, um, you might find it easier um, to not so come so close to killing people <laughs> right like take well up judging boxing. by how she reacted in anger management class yeah, true. <laughs> i don't think that that would go well yeah but really but that don't. was also a good scene because she actually let out that emotion mm-hmm. you know um i actually felt like you could see where that could be helpful for her you you might just not want to give her something to throw um you maybe want to you know give her some sort of um concrete block to smash you know instead of like a punching bag because that's too easy for her Mm -hmm. um you know just to let those emotions out um but yeah i thought you know for everything that she's been through to get to the end of the season and have her go to oscar's place to have dinner to open herself up to that it was that's the best part of this season is watching jessica move from point a to point b finally and I thought that was really a beautiful thing. And I like to, and since you're mentioning Oscar, that um, you can see from her past relationship with Luke um, that she was really kind of just using him as like another way to get yeah. um, feelings out and not deal with her problems. He was a distraction. Whereas with Oscar, she goes to treat him the same way. And he says, whoa, whoa, like, I just want to get to know you. And she's going... Oh, that's new. 
And you're like, wow, she's never actually had a relationship with someone. She's always just been using people to get by um, as far as the the men in her life, you know, in, um, you know, romantic relationships. So I like that they are showing that Oscar is not allowing her to do that. And then she's realizing you can just have him as, you know, a partner, someone to talk to and to get to know the real you rather than just pass the time. Yeah, but it, if she doesn't get back together with Luke Cage, then they never get married and have their baby, and then Squirrel Girl can never be the baby's nanny. <laughs> Everything I'm saying is absolutely true. I know, I read that. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. See, I'm sorry, Matt, I interrupted no, you. No, 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 no. I think that's really funny, because, um, yeah, I love, you know, you know the comics that well. That's fantastic. Um, no, what I, the only thing I was going to say is this, is that... On top of that, I felt like the relationship that she had with Oscar um, was really well done because it was somebody who could kind of understand a little bit the life that she's been in in the sense that, like, she's been on the wrong side of the law, you know, um, she's made some mistakes, you know, Oscar's done the same thing, and for everything in her life she just wants to be able to try and live some sort of normal life you know the same way he is hers it's a little bit more of a struggle because now everybody knows she's a superhero right you know quote unquote powered person uh and so but that relationship and how he accepts her and um you know they they have a rocky start but they learn to you know he he learns to really accept her for who she is. He doesn't ask her to change. Um, he just supports her where she is. And I think by that, it's a great relationship because he, yeah, it's not one of those relationships where I could, you need to do this, 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 and this to be a better person. He just kind of shows her what it means to be a better person, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I, I thought that was really beautiful. And, and they end up being an, a, a really good couple for each other and so again when you get to the end of the season and she's chosen that i thought it was just really nice like um and and in some ways you know this whole season for her too is is about never really having family and she kind of gets that with him and his son as well which i thought was really beautiful in a way where um, you know, she's not in uh, an adoptive family where this, you know, her stepmother is taking advantage of her stepsister all the time, which is just sick, um, and twisted and crazy, mm -hmm. you know, so like, uh, she just finally gets to be Jessica and, and I thought, and to figure out what that even means, you know, like, yes, and I thought that again, it, it's just a leaving off with them in the season. It's just, it's just Oh, finally something in this season that felt good because the rest of the season, honestly, is really uncomfortable. It's hard. Yeah. It's really hard because you don't have Kilgrave anymore. So now we have to find out who all of these people are without him. And the biggest is, of course, Jessica. Who is she without him? And who is Trish without Jessica and Kilgrave? You know, who who are all of these people without the influence of Kilgrave in their lives now. And I I actually really love that. I love a good character study. I like them focusing on, okay, this is the aftermath of these all these things that have happened. 
Now they're back in real life. What now? And they're trying to find their places. They're trying to figure out how their lives are going to be now. And I, I actually enjoy that. I love character development. What did you guys think of it being her mother that kind of ended up being her, you know, quote unquote, bad guy to face? I think that that just adds to her family trauma. So I, I at first thought, well, maybe it was her brother that survived because I thought it's weird. Somebody had to have survived, especially the cryptic flashbacks we saw. And so I thought maybe it was the brother. Then I thought maybe it was the father. Then I thought maybe it was the mother. And about 30 seconds before it was confirmed it was her mother, I went, oh, 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 that's who it is. But what a mixed up thing. <laughs> this person that she thought was dead and it takes her a little while to really believe that's her mother. And now she's got to reconcile the fact that her mother is going around murdering people. It's just, oh, I have my mom back, and she's a killer with rage problems. Great. One more thing to worry about. Well, at one point, she's worried that her mom is going to kill her. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or or somebody else that she cares about. You know, it's just, Because at one point, she was going to kill Trish. You know, it's just like nobody was off limits. And and I get that protective thing of a, a mother protecting her child, but she's not all right in the head. Whatever experiments were done on her to make her alive, make her strong, that was a side effect. And then the rage problem. And it's just, and I can see things from the mom's point of view, too, that it can't be easy to have that thing just a monster basically take you over and and kill but she also doesn't seem that remorseful when she finds out what she's done and she's she's burning her clothes and she's cleaning things up and just like "Mm, well and yeah she mm, even mm, tells mm, jessica mm. at one point um that feeling you have that guilt it passes it gets easier and she's like whoa i don't want to keep doing this (laughs) i'm not aiming to make it easier to kill people (laughs) No, and that's so clear when she goes to the house of that guard that she finds out is torturing her mother in prison. And she kills him in self-defense. And, oh, the aftermath of that, the, the, the montage of her just freaking out. Because she she's starting to hear Kilgrave's voice in her head again. I'm absolutely certain of that. And it becomes very obvious later that that's what's going on. But... Oh, man, she's just trying so hard not to kill anybody because it's so easy for her to physically do it. It's just, it it broke my heart. That whole scene just broke my heart of her figuring out what to do and how she was going to clean everything up. And uh, it was just, Well, and you feel bad for her, too, because she's getting hit with so much new information all at once. That's like, not only does she find out my mom's not really dead, then it's, Oh no, but she's got this uncontrollable rage problem. Then it's, Oh my God, this guy is the guy that did this to both of us. And then, Oh yeah. And they're in love. And married, not (laughs) legally, but really common law married at this point. (laughs) (laughs) It's so 
much. It's, it's too much for a normal person, but for someone who's already screwed up like Jessica, it's a miracle she didn't just go, nope, I'm done, and walk into the ocean mm -hmm. or something, you know? It's just, it takes a lot of self-control to continue living when crap like this keeps happening to you. When, when her mom was revealed to be just that nutsoid, all I could think of was in Braveheart when the guy's like, she wasn't right and the had, you know, like, no, she wasn't. Mm -mm. Um, she's like a, I don't know, a rage against the machine person. It's just, it, it's, it's crazy. And I, I think a, a part of me struggled slightly with the season with Jessica and her mother in that I understand what they were going for. Jessica having the struggle of it being her mother but her mom needs to go to the raft, you know, like, and, and you need to, and you need to, Jessica knew that. And, and she just kind of kept, I don't know, by the time that they were in the, um, the RV and everything, I was a little bit like, okay. Um, I, I felt like they were taking it a little bit too far. Um, I get why Jessica has always wanted family and, you know, what would you do if you found out your long lost mother was not actually dead and all that kind of stuff, you know? So you, you're tr I'm trying to put myself in her shoes, but I do, did find myself at that point in the season being like, okay, I feel like we're stretching this on a little bit too long. And I will say that I think that the Marvel Netflix shows sometimes do that with their seasons where they feel like they have to have the mandatory like 13 episodes. Hmm. you're not required to have 13 episodes. You know that, right? Like, you can create as many episodes as you need or don't need. So, you know, um, I feel like this season probably could have been about 10 episodes and been a much better season because I think a little bit tighter storytelling in some places would have really helped. Um, because by the time we got to those last two episodes... You feel like they're kind of milking not, stuff that doesn't have much yes, left to tell. Yes, absolutely. I will absolutely say that uh, this is the most boring season so far of any of these shows. Like, it was just boring. Like, I really was bored. Um, and part of that was I think there wasn't a lot of action in the show. And um, I was won over in the end just because I enjoyed where they took Jessica but getting there was kind of an arduous process for me personally. So I get well, that. Well, that's fair. We all have our yeah. own opinions. And I've often said that opinions are neither right nor wrong because they're subjective. And my husband and I really enjoyed this season. So it's it's all it has nothing to do with someone being right, someone being wrong just coming at it from different directions. And I yeah. love action as much as the next nerdy girl. I love me some action movies. Really, I love me some action movies. Um, but lack of action doesn't necessarily bother me. And I felt compelled by the stories enough that it didn't seem like a slog. Yeah, I feel like the pacing was a bit uneven in some places. Mm -hmm. And I think that they could have shortened it by a couple of episodes and still told the entire story. But overall, I feel very positive about the season myself. That's my personal opinion. I think that the the action part, it, it wasn't just like, oh, there were like, you know, like big major action set pieces. Oh, no, you know, I didn't think just, that's yeah, what you meant. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just wanted people to know it wasn't just like they didn't blow enough crap up. Um, you know, <laughs> no, it, that's what Patrick Devlin says. Yes. If they yeah. didn't blow something up, he's not interested. <laughs> exactly. So. So, uh, 
Hi, Patrick. Love you. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit more in agreement with Brandy. Um, I did still really enjoy this season. I, I wasn't bored. Um, but I do feel like in particular, Trish was kind of done a disservice in this season because they made it out like she was one of two things. Either she was back to being a junkie and just wanted another inhaler or that she wanted superpowers so bad that she was willing to undergo genetic editing. And none of it made it feel like she was a true friend or sister to Jessica, just wanting to help Jessica. It felt like Trish was just completely self-serving. And that made me sad. I guess it's the apple doesn't fall from far from the tree. Yeah. Um, Maybe so. it's See, not her that's fault. That's what I was going to say. I, I think that having her mother back in her life has influenced that side of her. And that's why she went down this path again. And... Yeah, I don't feel like her storyline was as strong. But at the same time, they had to figure out some way to get her to be Hellcat. So this is what they did. Mm-hmm. That's that's her superhero persona. Instead of she decided because to in, do martial arts. In the arts. comics, she was never adopted by the Walkers. She was actually adopted by the Joneses. She was Jessica Campbell. That was her family name. And then she was adop- adopted by the Jones family after her family was killed. So anyway. Sorry. No, I'm glad you no, brought that no, up. That's, I, I mean, just push that's... up my nerd glasses. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that you know that again because I'm not as familiar with the the Marvel universe in that way. Um, but I, I definitely agree, Christy. Um, honestly, the Tristory, I just had a really hard time watching um, just because mm-hmm. it was – it was very cliched of like the, the that kind of person who just I don't know yeah she just was so selfish this season. It was really just difficult to watch, um, and I I did feel like that. I wish that they could have found a better way to get her to that place without it kind of being something that made her character so unlikable. Because she's very unlikable for most of this season, if not all of this season, and say I, I would say till the very end, last episode, right. where she comes to apologize and all that kind of stuff, and you know Jessica is still not ready for a reunion, and yeah, and then uh, I don't know how did the last moment for her with her and Jessica play for you when she's the one who shoots her mom, because again that seemed like. She's trying to make this about how she has to save Jessica, but I don't think that was the... She didn't need to make that decision. She doesn't realize that Jessica's mom at that point has, has given up. Yeah, you know? She didn't get all the information. Right, She right. just reacted. Yes. And maybe that has something to do with what happened to her with the genetic editing. Maybe it was from the inhaler with the drugs we don't know about. And I feel like if they had come at this from, I mean, if they had just tied it back to her finally knowing what it felt like to be controlled by Kilgrave, like she was in the last episode of season one, come at it from that direction. And now she doesn't want to feel that loss of control ever again. And so that's why she's she wants to be a superhero, is she wants to be able to not only protect herself, but protect other people. Because she couldn't protect Jessica then. She can't protect Jessica now. And so that could have been a motivation for shooting her mother. All of this could have been a motivation, but they never tied that in. Right. They just make you feel like, oh, she's jealous of Jessica's powers. and mm-hmm. And then... 
probably to me it came more across like she's worried that Jessica's mom is going to take her out first so she shoots her before she can. That's just how it comes across to me instead of like you're saying, you know, the way they could have done it. Yeah. If they had just tied in that one little thing, it would have made that whole thing more palatable. I'm not saying it would have made it great, but it would have made it more palatable. It would have made it more understandable, more relatable. But it just, it wasn't relatable to me. So. Yeah. Um, I, I like what you're saying, Brandy, because uh, I feel like that's really constructive. It's just, there's something about the story that doesn't make it, um, like with Jessica, we can we can put ourselves in her shoes and start to relate. But I I can't I can't put myself in Trisha's shoes and relate to the decisions she makes at all. It just mm-hmm. feels so foreign to all of a sudden, uh, you know. Oh, I want to be Jessica, basically. Like, and I, I this was another thing. Like they do the thing at the end of the season where they have the big argument about why would you want to be we and why you know why would you want to be me? You know, they both are seeing you know the grass is always greener on the hero's side. I guess so I don't know. Um, and, but, I don't know, it just, it, they don't do a good enough job with the thematic elements for Trish to make them really resonate as, as a true human experience, specifically, that enough people, I think, could relate to. So, uh, and, and in that part, because she has such a big part of this story, it was it was just that was one of the things that made the season less than stellar for me personally watching through it. Because every time we kind of got to the Trish part, it was like, oh, you know, uh, it, it, whereas the Jessica stuff, even though there isn't tons of action, I'm 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 clicking with where they're bringing the character. So, yeah, let's just all uh, use the whole excuse of her knowing what it likes it's like to be controlled by Kilgrave as our own headcanon and just retcon all of that <laughs> and make it more palatable. I'm going to yeah. do that in future watches. Hey, I like it. it. I mean, they should have just had you on as a writer. So. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not good enough to be a writer. Oh, no, no, no. no At no. least they, they, you can just be the story person and then somebody I'll, else. I'll be the proofreader. Yeah, there you go. I am really uh, good at beta reading. <laughs> I'm good at that. But um, so... Uh, in this season, Malcolm is another character that we are following heavily as she, he is working with Jessica now in tandem there at Alias Investigations. And I found his storyline to be another one that's uh, like Jessica's in the sense like you can put yourself in the that person's shoes and you can like the struggle of coming out of addiction and trying to you know, he he ends up kind of really placing it with some things, you know. But I, I just, I thought that they did a decent job of kind of moving him forward uh, throughout the season. And I, I, um, I enjoyed his, I really enjoyed his interaction with Jessica, actually. Um, about him always trying to get lessons out of her. And she's like, that's not a lesson. Stop writing. <laughs> like, that stuff was really good. I uh, love the constant, you're fired. Think, okay, boss. Yes, yes. <laughs> So and I just I, I like the actor and and I was enjoying for the most part with what they were doing with him. I thought it was interesting. 
Yeah, I feel like they are really trying to redeem him and show you, you know, who he was in season one. He's not anymore, at least in most part. He's really trying to clean up and get off all of the drugs and figure out what he's going to do with his life now because he originally wanted to be, I think it was a social worker. Um, and so now he's seeing, okay, I, I'm something more than just a past junkie and what am I going to do with it? Well, I have a job, even if I don't get paid anything, Jessica maybe can teach me some things and I could do something good for someone else. Um, but I still struggled with, you know, sort of like Jessica says, he's replacing one addiction for another where he, you know, she sees that he's got this app that's basically like Tinder. So he's constantly with a different woman every night. Um, and then also he seems like he's still, I said, like, I, I think he's 80% good, 20% manipulative because I think it was in this season where he meets up with an old friend from college or past girlfriend, maybe. Past girlfriend, yeah, yeah I think and so. And totally tricks her into getting something he needs. Yeah, yeah, that was that was really scummy. Yeah, you just go, like, no, he's not gonna. Oh, yeah, yeah. I that that's that was hard for me too because I thought Jessica has done stuff like that, but never to people that she knew and never to people that she liked. Right, like she wouldn't do that think. to Trish. I mean, if someone can come up with an example, but it's uh, to take advantage of an old relationship like mm -hmm. that. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, little difficult. And then the whole thing he does to dig up dirt for uh, Jerry to find out, you know, what they have on her, what she can have on them to keep them from ousting her from the company. And we'll get to all of that. Uh, that was it, it was inventive, but it was also uncomfortable for me. But I liked it. It was uncomfortable in a way that I'm like, OK, we're seeing who this guy really is now because season one we didn't get a really good feel for who he actually is because he was under Kilgrave's control and he was using drugs to try and escape that control not that it helped because it didn't but you know the, the thing about drugs is that they actually inhibit the brain's ability to make good decisions and so it's not so easy to just say oh I'm just gonna quit tomorrow because your brain doesn't work that way anymore so it is really hard. It is a really hard addiction to come out of. And the fact that he was strong enough to do that by his own choice is really impressive. And so he, he's a very complex character. And I like that. And I am looking forward to what we're going to have in season three. I'm hoping there's going to be season three. Please have a season three. <laughs> As he's, uh, I want to see more of where he goes and what he does because I... Uh, he he goes places that I don't expect. And I don't know about you guys, but the whole sleeping with Trish thing was icky to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. And basically, just, he gets I the was... tables turned on him <sighs> after he used a past relationship. Then Trish uses him to get what she wants and then locks him in a trunk. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I will say this. I appreciated, and this is just just thinking about, you know, sex scenes. I appreciate that the sex scenes were tasteful. Yes. I appreciate that there was no topless women. Yes. Topless men. Yeah, bring me the topless men all day long. Thank you very much because that's not Malcolm buffed you know, up this season. That's not something. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's one of those things where I just really appreciated that viewpoint that we never saw 
you know, bare breasts. We never saw really super explicit sex um, like we did in Punisher. Um, so <laughs> not, I don't have a problem with explicit sex because if I have to if I have to make a choice between explicit sex and explicit violence, I will take explicit sex every time. But um, I'm a weirdo also. So but yeah, it was one of those things where that was that as where like now that's why you have a woman directing every episode of this series because a woman is going to look at this and say there is no reason to show her boobs okay <laughs> we know what they're doing we don't need to show her naked so that's what i imagine them saying yeah see i i'm i'm with you i don't i mean i don't need all of that stuff either and i think you can do well done scenes without all of that you know agree um mm-hmm. So, and I think, you know, I would, I would say this, Mad Men, I think is the best picture of that. Um, You know, uh, you, if, if Mad Men had gotten picked up as it was supposed to be on HBO, this is a little bit of a tangent, but, um, you know, Christina Hendricks said, well, I mean, I would have been topless every single episode, you know, whereas Mm -hmm. on AMC, you can't have any of that. Mm -hmm. You know, you can you can definitely allude to and have, you know, scenes where people are in bed together and all that stuff, but you can't have the explicitness. The show is way better for it. Right. Well, and I mean, my husband and I have discussed before that it feels like now just because a show is going to be on HBO, they feel like they have to do that. And it's like it's not necessary yes. for oh, good oh, storytelling. Mandatory, manda- mandatory orgy scene in in episode four it's like the uh, hbo execs are like up oh, up oh, it's time up oh, yeah episode four <laughs> time for the orgy yeah well if you're gonna do that i want equal time for a minute <laughs> right. because i got to see a few penises in game of thrones and i was happy about it every time so it's well, like there, yeah more penises more penises go. gonna show all the women naked i want to see penises <laughs> But, you know, I will say, like, to your point, though, Matt, saying, you know, that it's not necessary for good storytelling, the paint scene with Jessica and Oscar in this season, perfect and didn't need any nudity. Mm hmm. I loved that scene. Yeah. No, I I agree. Um, Except I'm watching them and going, oh, I hope that that's water based paint. That is never going to come out. Yeah, Yeah, I was thinking that, too. I was like, that can't be comfortable, honestly. (laughs) Anyway. Um. So where did you, uh, so Malcolm, uh, tangent aside of sex scenes, and, and um, where did you think about where he ended up joining with, you know, our D-bag investigator? Chang. Yeah, Chang. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, really? Really? That's where you're going to go, bro? Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's, okay, I see. So apparently you really are just another D-bag then, too. <laughs> uh, and I wrote down, what I... purpose does Chang serve? He's just a D-bag. <laughs> oh, yeah. to me, he was like, oh, I remember that guy from The Expanse. He was a much nicer character on that. Good actor. <laughs> Good actor. Really impressed, because it took me about two episodes where I'm like, oh, I know where I've seen him. <laughs> So, but yeah, he's just there to be a jerk. Um, sometimes you just have to have somebody there to be a jerk. But there was obviously a point to him being there because Malcolm ends up with him. And I feel like, I don't know if this is true, but I feel like Malcolm did that out of spite. That he's going to end up that he wanting went to oh, yeah. go back. One place that would really piss Jessica off the most. So or I feel like her. it was yeah, yeah. both. Yeah. yeah. I feel like he wanted to hurt her and he was angry at her and he wanted to make her even more angry than he was. And so he did the one thing that 
would it actually will probably break her heart. <laughs> but anyway, mm-hmm. so but yeah, I think it's definitely a spite move, it, which is a real d bag move. So. So he's got that down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got D-bag down, buddy. You can choose your behavior. Uh, so maybe he's not 80% yeah. good, like I said before. <laughs> no, he's he's gone more, at least at this point, I would say he's like a 50-50. Like, we don't know how he's going to go mm-hmm. now. Yeah. But I think, yeah, we're, we really lowered the bar in his goodness level. Like, if we, we had the Malcolm drawing, like in Lilo and Stitch, you know, your your goodness level is... Yeah, or like from How strong, I Met Your Mother, so. the hot crazy scale. He's going up in crazy, <laughs> down in hotness. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Um, so the last main character that we get is Jerry. And I'm just going to let y'all talk first. So good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. Woof. Woof. The storyline was well, let me put it this way. They do a good job of making her into a villain and she plays a good job, you know, she does a good job playing a villain. So, you know, if that's what they were going for, they got me. She's really good at this, but um, I hated her. She uses everyone. I mean, in the first season, she wants Kilgrave to help her. So she leads him to her wife and then her wife ends up getting killed. And then now in this season, you kind of feel like, oh, maybe finally you can identify and, and empathize with her a little bit because she finds out she has Lou Gehrig's disease. And it, it, me personally, having a chronic illness, um, also I can say from experience that it's an, a terribly difficult thing to deal with. My whole life has changed now. Um, you know, she was on this career trajectory of continuing to get more and more um, well-known as a lawyer who was just ruthless and then feels like her life is being taken from her. Um, But then she goes right back to, she gets conned and she convinces the guy's girlfriend to kill him. Um, She just, like I said, just uses everyone. I don't see any good deed in her. No, there isn't because my husband and I like to classify everyone in D&D classes mm-hmm. like Jessica Jones is chaotic good and Jerry is lawful evil. Everything that she does is pretty much legal, but she does it only for her own sake. She doesn't do anything to help anyone unless it's going to help her. She is lawful evil. And so we were not surprised by anything she did because we knew she was lawful evil. And they really played that to the hilt. Um, I found it, I still found it interesting. I know she's someone that you're not supposed to like, and I don't like her, but I still find her interesting. I still found her compelling, especially with her now not being strong, as strong as she thought she was. Now she's got this debilitating thing that has no cure and she's researching how to painlessly end her life and all of these other things because what is life if she is going to not look strong mm-hmm. she has not to be appear in strong yeah she has to appear strong and she has to appear in control and that's what she's all about and that's what everything in her storyline is about ultimately. And they do a really great job of doing what they did for me with Kilgrave is almost, I can almost sympathize with her almost. And then no, she's lawful evil. So it's, uh, 
I, I, I would honestly say that, um, I feel like this is the this is the part of the season where she's unnecessary to this story. Mm. Like the Jerry story is unnecessary to everything that's going on with Jessica, Trish, and Malcolm, except for where they intersect with needing a lawyer. So I don't need her in this to make this season go round like to make it work um if you excise all of her scenes other than the ones where she's being the lawyer for you know when she needs to be a lawyer you wouldn't be missing anything from the season you wouldn't even know it was missing so i I would say just putting my you know uh constructive criticism hat on this is where the season could have been 10 episodes if you cut out of all her stuff and I I will say that this is where I was just I was the most bored. Mm. I just didn't care about her storyline. I don't care about her as a character because she's just the side character, you know, in everything else, you know. Um and they didn't give me a reason to ever care about her. Um because she's just she's not there's nothing likable about her at all. You know, like the moment they try and give you any kind of sympathy, then they just ripped it away right again is just her being the worst person on the planet. You know, like having the her uh, the girlfriend kill um, Shane, you know, it's like, OK, yeah, I, I so I I feel as though. They needed to find a better way to integrate her story into the larger story. Um, and I was expecting her to have some connection with um, Carl in, in some way to try and be using that kind of technology or something. Um, I I, I, th- I thought that's how she would kind of get into this. But again, she just kind of is a bubble on the larger bubble. So she doesn't really matter to the rest of the story. And so, um, yeah, it was really... I was just that that's the part where this season like I just really struggled because where the Trish storyline was like, eh, but at least it had something to do with, you know, Jessica and Malcolm and the rest of that. This one was like. OK, it's like a tangent and you're going, why is this? Yeah, here? it is kind of like a tangent. <laughs> yeah. Um, and well, you normally don't get those in shows. Right. <laughs> like it's true. That's true, and and I, mean, I okay. Let me let me rephrase. You do get those in shows where they used to have like you know twenty four episodes a season, and you'd end up going on some weird tangents, but then you'd end up coming back. You know, see the CW shows sometimes the superhero shows they can go on and go on some tangents sometimes where it's you know, um, but you I wouldn't necessarily expect that with you know a twelve uh, a thirteen episode season for. Um, these Marvel shows, especially after coming off the um, Punisher season, which was just phenomenal each and every episode. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, to to throw in a happy note, I was so excited when David Tennant came back. Oh, I know oh, it was great yes. to see him for an episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. For for mm-hmm. a couple, that I think just, he had that like man does not age here and there. No, he doesn't. He just looks phenomenal. Yeah, I'm a sucker for a Scotsman. <laughs> oh, I wish I looked that good in a suit as he does. Oh. But he's so he's good just, at being this he's character. So yummy. Let's just be honest. That's yeah, true. Yeah, he is That's yummy. Yeah. He's totally yummy. He's always been yummy to me. 
ever since the fourth Harry Potter movie. So what did you oh, think yeah. then? There, uh, there you go. What did you think then, Brandy, <laughs> yeah. of the scene in Jessica Jones season one where he licks her face? <laughs> <laughs> My husband just went, Ugh. I'm just like, can I trade places with her? <laughs> That's what I thought. And my uh, husband is cringing beside me. Um, yeah. They, my husband, Dave, is so just, he was raised around women. You know, he, he was, his mom was a single mom and he has, has an older sister. So he just is more attuned to women. Mm -hmm. And so stuff like that just never bothers mm -hmm. him. Like I can just flat out say, okay, he's on the list. All right. If I ever got the chance to sleep with him, I, you know, that's my one. <laughs> He's like, okay, I, I, I give him one too, but he never picks anybody. <laughs> but, but yeah, mm, David Tennant. Um, I was going to say something. Oh, yes. I remember what I was going to say. I feel like they told this story with Jerry for a couple of reasons. I feel like one, it is going to be connected in the future. Um, I think that was an intention. I could be wrong. Two, the character of jo Jaron Hogarth in the comics is a man. Hmm. And so it is way more interesting to watch them take a woman and portray her in an unflattering light because that's what you need to do. That's what true equality is. There are good women. There are bad women. Show us the gamut. That's what we want. We want diversity. We want to see women in all kinds of roles. And so I love that they took that character and made it a woman and yet didn't change the basis of the character because it was now female. No, I'm and I'm totally, you know, happy with them doing that. You know, I don't I don't have a problem with, you know, the woman character being a bad character at all. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And um, that's because you're an, yeah. a well-adjusted human being. Well, And if you're going to do it, hopefully you you do you do it right um, yeah so because um like i would say the defenders season with um sigourney, sigourney Weaver. weaver's character not done well no you know yeah. like that's a that's a that's a really bad example um and so yeah and it what i yeah i just i think if you had just found a way to connect the storylines a little bit more um, so that everything kind of felt like it was playing off each other and weaving a little bit better. That's all I think that you needed to do. So, yeah. um, yeah, in the end for you guys, uh, season two, um, where do you kind of come down ratings wise? So, um, what about you, Brainy? Well, uh, I really enjoyed this season. As I have said, yes, there were pacing issues and, you know, obviously people didn't like all parts of it. Um, I would still give it eight sleeping paintings of Jessica out of ten. <laughs> actually, paintings of sleeping Jessica, I should say that right. Yeah, that was a really nice painting, actually. So. It really was. It was lovely. Yeah. I was very impressed. I wonder who actually painted that, because they're talented. It was probably some set decorator. <laughs> probably. Like, oh, I'm, in, I'm in charge of the matte painting, yeah, so let me like, just dash this out. Exactly. It took him like ten minutes. Um. <laughs> probably. <laughs> What about you, Christy? Um, I'm going to give it just a little bit lower because of uh, a, a couple things that we already said. And um, my rating is going to be a 7 out of 10 um, skeezy hotel rooms. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't want to go to that hotel or touch what was anything it called? in like Poseidon's there. Poseidon's Sea of Love or something. Uh, <laughs> it just, it scared the, you know, 
the what out of me. Yeah, it was there just were like mirrors. No, I, I, that that is an STD waiting. To yeah, happen. it just looks mm-hmm. disgusting. So. Um, do not walk barefoot in those rooms. <laughs> yeah, don't. But I loved uh, or um, blacklight it. I loved David Tennant <laughs> no, being definitely. back. I loved his lines. He always gets something so funny. I had to say I loved when Jessica's searching the hotel room and he pops into her head and she goes, you're not here. And he goes, neither is Carl. (laughs) (laughs) He's just so on point. Yeah. And then he's magical no matter what he does. Yeah. And then, you know, like I said, even though we hate Jerry Hogarth, they did a good job of giving us a good villain. Um, Although I think that, like you said, Matt, her storyline could have fit better, had some more ties to Jessica's story. I think that she was a good villain. Um, I think the the one other thing that took off a little bit for me was that although I, of course, want um, equality for women and think that they did a lot of things well, I don't like when it's pushed too much in your face. And I think that there were some scenes with Jerry and one with Jessica where it was just too in your face. Um, they said, uh, you know, with the whole thing with Jerry speaking at the women in law luncheon, it was a little too much for me. And then when um, Jessica was in the cab and the guy said, like, don't get your panties in a wad. And she said, we're adults. We don't wear panties. We wear underwear. It was like, I still call them panties. Come on. Um, so I, you know, like I said, I don't like when the um, overly feminist agenda gets pushed in your face a lot. Um but overall, I really enjoyed this season, and I think that it did a lot to further Jessica's story, which I wanted, and get to see her mother. Wasn't it her mother who said the thing about how they wore underwear? Maybe yeah, it was her was mother. Her okay. Yeah. It was her mother, and yeah. that actually makes sense, because she muy loco en la cabeza. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think that for me, this is probably five out of ten whiskey bottles hmm. um empty and, or full uh well you know jessica they're only like <laughs> only a empty. quarter half full maybe <laughs> um so uh yeah i i just because i i think that there's only about half of the year se- this this season that i was really interested in and that's jessica's storyline um i wasn't really all that interested in everybody else's storyline and i I I will say, so Punisher was like a super dark, probably the darkest season that we've had. It has to be. The character's too so yeah. dark. But this one just felt like there's a real bleakness to it. Like, um, and, and I, I appreciated that at the end we finally found something good. Like that last scene where she walks in and that we talked about. So I'm hoping that season three has a little bit more of that to it. Um, and I get that Jessica Jones is a super dark character. And I don't mind darkness in my superhero shows. Um, but there was just something about this season. And I think it was probably the boredom that led me to thinking more about like, man, there's nothing really like, I'm just not enjoying a lot of this. Like, um, so, and I think part of it was that whereas in like Punisher, the character storylines were very fascinating. I wasn't as involved with I didn't I didn't 
the Trish one was we talked about. There was no connection there. The Jerry storyline, eh. And then Malcolm was okay. And then Jessica, yes. But when you have four main characters and four main storylines and only one of them is really appealing to you, that's just where I came down. So, But, you know, it's on Fair Netflix. Enough. And it's, it's, you know... I don't, it's not really free because I pay for it, but um, you know, uh, it, it it's it's still a well acted show, and and I will be interested to see what they do do next. Um, I don't know what the next season coming out. I know Luke Cage is work. They're working on season two, which is great. I love Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Christmas. Iron Fist is. They're doing season two, which. Whew, they got some work oh, to do, yes. but hey, they a lot got of work. Alice, to, some yeah, work. They got they've lot, got a lot. They got a lot of work. A lot but, of work. But they they got Alice Eve. Um, Ooh, so did they? yeah, they've got Alice Eve. So I mean, you Ooh. know, I, I'm not gonna lie, they've kind of got me. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm. Really they had glad me with my Coulter. So that, yeah, fair enough. Uh, well, yeah, Luke Cage, man. Whew, love that dude. sweet Christmas. He's I really perfect. do love that dude. <laughs> like he is such a. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm so glad we got a chance to talk about this. Um, and it's been a blast, uh, you know, and really want to thank everybody who listens. Your support means the world to me. Uh, the show's been going on for a lot longer than I ever knew it would, but I'm still loving it and uh, getting to do shows like this. And appreciate Ken Tripp and Davis Grayson being there pretty much every step of the way as associate producers here on the show. Uh, and without their support through Patreon, this show wouldn't come to you and the network wouldn't come to you. In fact, it'd probably be a very different network uh, because it'd be full of ads and annoying things stopping the conversation. But we don't do that to you because you go to patreon.com slash trackfm and support us however much you can. Every month, it makes a huge difference and it makes sure that all the content that keeps coming to you each and every week here on Trek FM does come to you. Uh, so again, if you would like to be part of the team and make sure that our shows come out each and every week, um, go to patreon.com slash trekfm. We've got some great perks there for you. We love giving back to you as much as we can. And again, like I said, honestly, it, every little bit that you can give every month, it, it definitely keeps the lights on. So um, so glad we got a chance to have Brandy and Christy here tonight. Um, Brandy, let everybody know where they can find you online if they would like to geek out some more about how cool Squirrel Girl is as a nanny or other Marvel-related things that I don't know. Well, hey, I love Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. It's like one of my favorite comics. <laughs> so uh, anyway, you can find me on Twitter at Brandywine12. Brandy is spelled with an I, and the 12 is a number. You can find me lurking in the Babel Conference not as often as usual because my work has gotten a lot more difficult and time-consuming. But you will find me there from time to time. Uh, I am also on the network on uh, Warp 5, uh, which is the Star Trek Enterprise podcast, which I love. I'm on that with Brandon Shamatala and Patrick Devlin. I love those guys. They're great to podcast with. And I do a podcast with my hubby, Dave, called the Dark Corner Podcast, where we talk about such things like Jessica Jones and whatever else we want to, really. But we come at it from sort of a darker perspective, because we do not like the sunlight. <laughs> so you're vampires. We're goths. It's a vampire okay, we're goths. podcast. We're goths. Yeah. No, we're goths. We're not vampires. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. I can My go bad. out in the sun, but I have to wear sunblock, but I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. 
It's not fun. Oh. And uh, Christy, um, where can everybody find you? Sure. So you can find me, of course, here on the 602 Club, also doing um, discussing James Bond films with Matt and with our friend John Champion. And then I'm on um, co-hosting Galactic Fashion with my friend Teresa Delgado. And then you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bespin Bell, B-E-L-L-E, to talk about comics, James Bond, Marvel shows, Star Wars, whatever. <sighs> Love having you guys here. Uh, but uh, you can find me on Twitter, MattRushing02, on Instagram under the same name. I'm here on the network also talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine with uh, Chris Jones on The Orb. In fact, we're going to be back soon, so just uh, keep a lookout. Uh, you can also find me on the Nerd Party Network over there doing aggressive negotiations with John Mills as we dive into uh, an interesting Star Wars topic each and every week. So if you love Star Wars, you need to be listening to that show. Uh, you can also find me talking about Harry Potter with Drea Kaufman. We're walking through each and every single chapter of the series together. We're in the middle of the Goblet of Fire. It's a blast, so check it out. And then last but not least, uh, doing a show called Cinema Stories with my good friend Courtney as we talk about films through the lens of fate. But I want to thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back here. <laughs>